This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And today, I'm delighted to say it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good evening from London, Ed. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's been quite the week for all asset classes. Yeah, and uh, let's start with one particular roller coaster ride. That, of course, is Bitcoin. The price on Tuesday crashed to its lowest in nearly a month. And this tied in with the angry protests and the technological glitches and a plummet in market value for the first day of Bitcoin in El Salvador, adopting uh, the currency as legal tender. It was all quite dramatic, wasn't it? Bitcoin did have a wild ride, and I think in addition to a disappointing uh, rollout uh, for El Salvador, uh, we had a tremendous amount of speculative excess. I think there was uh, a lot of retail buying that was uh, in anticipation of this rollout that uh, we saw investors were really eyeing uh, a significant move higher. And when we we really didn't see that, uh, I think then you saw pretty much uh, momentum sellers just quickly took advantage of it. And, and I think there was a lot of reasons why uh, people sold Bitcoin. I think there was, uh, first, the, the rollout was terrible for the app. I think they have, uh, um, they had a lot of people tracking, you know, how, you know, was the adoption a success in El Salvador? And for the most part, you know, there was limited uh, use of those uh, 200 ATMs that uh, have been put in El Salvador, um, you know, without widespread use, I think uh, you're you're seeing that uh, more people are focused on the protests against um, the embracement of Bitcoin for El Salvador, and and I think uh, you're you're probably going to see that this is a, a big bet by the government and um, even the president uh, during the you know like the, the chaotic sell-off that we saw, a 17% plunge. Uh, there was a, um, a tweet that he then sent that said uh, they bought the dip <laughs> and then they increased their holdings by another uh, 150 uh, Bitcoin. So, so I think you're probably going to see that, uh, you know, this is this is uh, going to remain a very volatile trade. And, and in addition to what we had with El Salvador, it, it, it seems that uh, the, the social media platforms are just constantly filled with this coverage. Um, in addition to uh, what happened in El Salvador, we heard from some social media influencers, whether well, it was Steph Curry, uh, one of the best shooting guards in, in the NBA, asking, I'm about to get into crypto, what should I do? And then you have uh, you know constant uh, um, interest from people who are in the space advising him what to do, and then he forms a new partnership uh, which just shows the, the the retail frenzy is going to continue, and I think uh, it really hit a hit a moment at the beginning of the week when uh, the FCA had to step in and uh, a, a, a acknowledge that a uh, Kim Kardashian tweet of endorsing a new crypto coin, Ethereum Max, which I never heard of until that tweet, <laughs> um, was going to uh, you know she was trying to incentivize people to to look at it. And uh, it was, uh, I think, you know, a draw concern from the FCA. And they even stepped up and s- reminding uh, the financial world that there, there is uh, a lot of scams out there. And uh, a lot of these coins are going to end up being worthless. So I think there, there, has, there has been a, a, a fresh 
you know, new wave of investors. And I think that's what's really provided a, a lot of this volatility. And, and, and right now, we're, we're, we're trying to see if mainstream acceptance is going to happen. And when you take a look at what's happening around the world, uh, there, there is continued progress for Bitcoin. Uh, prices, you know, they, they've stabilized from that initial plunge from the disappointing El Salvador debut. But uh, for the most part, uh, they're still they're still heavy. And uh, this is even as the Ukraine uh, becomes the latest country to legalize Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. You know, we're, we're cur- currently seeing uh, five countries that have uh, outlined some ground rules that are allowing cryptocurrencies to thrive and and uh, this is going to be a long tedious process and until we see widespread use um, you know, you're, you're likely to see a very choppy market here and right now investors they can't get beyond the, the the next big risk event for cryptocurrencies and that's the Fed's paper on digital currencies and that should be coming out anytime soon so I was going to ask you whether the El Salvador example of adopting Bitcoin was going to encourage or discourage other countries to follow suit probably encourage more than discourage at the moment despite the rocky start at the beginning of the week i think so i think you're right because everyone knows the first time you you do something there's there's going to be bumps and bruises there's a learning curve and i think uh, every country that sees where el salvador went wrong they're going to try to address those issues um and and i think that you're, you're probably um, going to see that uh, countries that will legalize Bitcoin, uh, I, I think they're, they're going to have a much more cautious approach. They're going to probably, um, in addition to um, owning, uh, I think, uh, Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, they're, they're, they're going to make sure that uh, they're, you know, they, they provide ample education for the, these new users. And I think that uh, there, there, there's a, a big learning curve. I think right now, the, the growth for Bitcoin is going to be amongst developing nations. I think you're going to see that it's probably you're probably going to see the next you know round of countries that that go this route are, are going to be Latin America or Africa. I think that's where you're probably going to see the primary growth for this space. And in a lot of those areas, they, they need more education. They need more support. They need more um, uh, tools to, to, to help uh, transition into a, a digital economy. And uh, I think I think that it's probably going to, I think what happened in El Salvador is still very positive for the space, but I think it will kind of uh, stretch out, um, you know, the, the plans on, on how soon um, other countries follow suit. But, but I think there is still tremendous momentum here. And uh, right now um, there there's probably... Um, a lot of uh, investors that are just taking a look at, you know, what was the primary tenet for many people for owning cryptocurrencies? It's because fiat currencies and the governments that are, um, you know, delivering these um, um, extraordinary fiscal supportive measures uh, are likely to devalue their currencies. And 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 what the Fed and the ECB really kind of um, just showing signs that uh we're, we're still going to have a lot of accommodation um remain in, in 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 pumping up these economies uh you know the argument for bitcoin is, is still pretty sound i wanted to talk to you about china ed and the fact that it's starting to sell off some of its oil that it keeps in strategic reserve in a bid to lower prices in the market now that is a historic first 
for the world's biggest importer of oil and its second largest consumer, is it not? Very much so. And I think this is this shows you how, um, I think, sensitive these global economic recoveries are. Uh, China, um, for the most part, um, you know, I think they, they really, you know, paid close attention to what OPEC Plus said uh, earlier in the week. And, and OPEC Plus, for the most part, has resisted um, those calls to, to increase output. And this move, you know, it, it, it really, it sent crude sharply lower. And I, I think it shows you that, um, you know, China is willing to do anything right now to support their economy. And in addition to that, I think that uh, uh, they've had, they have these reserves and they're finally putting them to use. And I think that uh, this is really going to help bring down the, some of those inflationary pressures, which uh, I think um, have been really, um, um, it's, it's been um, a very wild trade uh, across all the commodity markets. And uh, I think that you're, you're probably going to see that, uh, you know, China, um, they're, they're right now in, in uh, their, their economic growth forecasts, uh, just like the rest of the world, have uh, taken a bit of a hit. And, and, and I think you're going to see that. Uh, they're 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 gonna do what is is going to I think uh, help bridge the gap until their economy can kind of uh, continue to grow as as it has been and and uh, right now I think you're you're going to see the oil market right now it's it's still in deficit and it's like it's expected to be in deficit uh, for the remainder of the year and I think we won't see a surplus until probably the first quarter um, if things unfold as far as the reopening uh, but right now I think uh, this market is has been dealing with so many different drivers where um, we, we have production that has not come back online from Hurricane Ida. We have, um, uh, I, I think right now there's a, a lot of fear that uh, expectations for OPEC plus output, uh, um, you know, for, for beyond uh, uh, 2022 are, are really up in the air. Um, no, no one has a, a strong handle on when we're going to have those Iran nuclear talks resume, and if we're going to see um, uh, sanctions um, eased up on, uh, and and if we could expect more more crude from them, um, and right now there's some protests happening in Libya, that production could provide a you know an easily two dollar surge here for oil prices. So right now it just seems like everything is all of a sudden. Um, the risks are to the upside for oil prices. And I think the only thing that would derail that is if we had a major risk aversion uh, move in, in the market. And, and, and for right now, we, we really haven't seen that. I think there's been uh, 213 days since we had uh, at least a, a 5% pullback in, in, in the S&P 500. And uh, with risk appetite, you know, remaining well supported. And this is, you know, as we're looking to see if the S&P 500 can break a three-day losing streak that has sent us roughly a percent and a half from the record highs, you know, I think there's there's still, a, I think, a strong optimism that risk appetite will remain in place as the reopening continues, as the Fed remains accommodative, and, and that should be, you know, rather supportive for oil prices. So I think uh, a lot of traders, they were happy to buy that dip that China triggered, and uh, It'll be interesting to see if oil prices can kind of uh, recapture the $70 level that, that is uh, for WTI to get the summer highs that we saw earlier a few months ago. So earlier on in the week, we heard from the ECB, Ed, the European Central Bank. What did we learn? 
A lot of it went as expected. The ECB decided to moderately lower the pace of bond purchases until that pandemic program has, has run its course. I, I think that there is still, um, uh, you know, the reaction was pretty interesting because uh, uh, Lagarde had to, to say that the lady isn't tapering. I think that the initial headlines when uh, they, the, you know, when you read the, 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 ta- the, the script, uh, it, was, it was really, um, I think, uh, initial reaction was that, wow, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to see less stimulus in place. But no, that's not, that's just a slower pace. Uh, a purchase pace that is and it's a recalibration um, the lady isn't tapering as she said um, and, and right now I think you're probably gonna see that uh, you know for the most part though uh, it, we're still going to see I think um, investors are, are, are not going to anticipate tightening anytime soon um, you know the central bank upgraded the outlook for economic growth but you know the inflation forecast for 2023 was only raised to 1.5 percent so it's well below the ecb's minimum target of two percent so i so i think that um for the most part you know after the dust settled it was kind of somewhat viewed as somewhat dovish and i think that uh is going to provide some underlying support here for european equities and, and right now you're probably going to just uh really see i think uh wall street is is uh slowly you know kind of uh down downgrading their outlooks for the treasury curve to steep and i think that you know hopes that uh we were going to see uh the german bund uh you know actually turn flat uh, at some point in the near future are are fading <laughs> fading away I, I think that uh you know the 10-year at negative uh 0.33 is is uh it's still surprising that you know given how strong the economy is that uh, you're, you're, you're still uh, negative interest there. Um, so, so I think uh, overall dovish takeaway and uh, just uh, really we're, we're in wait and see mode. And uh, I think the council is, they're, they're just focused on the recovery. And right now it's just wait and see uh, for the next several months here. Okay, very interesting. Let's take a look at what's happening in the next uh, week or so. Of course, this was a short week for you guys because you had Labor Day on Monday, didn't you? But back to reality, I'm afraid, next week with a full working week. So what should we look ahead to? Well, I I think Monday uh, we're going to see the Senate return. Uh, So that it's going to be filled with politics. It's going to be filled with, I think, uh, a a lot of uh, focus on infrastructure spending, the budget bill, what concessions will be made and uh you know we're getting closer to that you know the the, the deadline to, to get this done so i think investors will, will pay, pay close attention there um tuesday we got cpi for the u.s that is going to be key um that could provide uh that's probably the, the main economic release of the week i think pricing pressures are uh, the one thing that could make the fed move a lot sooner um, and right now, expectations uh, for, for core, it's supposed to stay steady. So just prices are still elevated, um, but uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if they come out hotter, just like we saw PPI earlier today. Um, Wednesday is a, a busy day. We have the um, U.S. and uh, European industrial production uh, economic releases. We also have the EIA crude oil inventory report. Uh, oh, I, I did forget to mention, I think on Monday we'll get the OPEC Plus, OPEC uh, monthly report, which uh, could see a downgrade to the 2022 demand outlook. So that would 
that should be priced in already but if the, the outlook is downgraded significantly you know that could be a little bit of a headwind here for oil prices uh thursday it's uh retail sales for the u.s and then uh friday uh europe european cpi and also the university of michigan sentiment reading that's the uh, preliminary reading for september so that one um will be closely watched i think uh overall uh busy week um as far as politics in the eu uh you're gonna we have an election from Norway. We hear from the German uh, chancellor candidates. Um, uh, there's a plethora of what Russia will will um, will hear from Russian leaders as well. So it's it's a very busy week, and I think you're going to see though that um, for the most part um, we're in the blackout window for the Fed. Uh, so uh, there might be it might be a little bit of a choppy uh, week because. Uh, um, a lot of investors will wait until the September policy decision for the Fed, which is the following week. Okay. Ed, thanks very much for joining us and have a very good weekend. Thank you. You too. This is the Oanda Podcast.